Beyond the Baseline is brought to you by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app, enter our code BEYOND, get $20 off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners, more payoffs than any other site. Enter the promo code BEYOND at FanDuel.com. Play a risk-free tournament at up to $10. People, I think, have a a certain idea about what Serbs are like. My guess is that one of the reasons he picked Boris Becker to help him is because Boris seemed to think that on his strapping young shoulders at 17 when he won Wimbledon, he had to sort of change everybody's mind about what Germany is like. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same. That's... It's deep. I'm deep. Everyone, John Worth, I'm here. Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. This week, an in-studio guest who has come to our uh, luxurious podcast hatch. <laughs> she started laughing, so you know who it is. <laughs> Mary Carrillo in the flesh. My first ever podcast. How are you? I'm this is your well. first. Uh... This is it, baby. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm thrilled. That's a lot of pressure. It is. There, uh, there are all sorts of ribald jokes I will re- refrain from making, but uh, I'm glad, glad I could be your first. Uh, friend, colleague, wit, tennis, uh, tennis aficionado. How are we describing you these days? What, what do you, uh, let's start here. Okay. What do you do when you're not doing tennis? Oh boy. I, I Tell think us. I, well, when you asked me if I, if I were to, if I could be around for this, I think I sent you my November calendar, <laughs> <laughs> which had me, mm. I, even by my ridiculous delirious standards, cause you know, I'm a network surfer. I work for five different networks this month. So I work for Tennis Channel and call in the Singapore finals with our buddy Lindsay Davenport and Paul Anacone. And then I went to Brazil for NBC and shot in Sao Paulo and Salvador for next year's Rio Olympics. Then also for NBC, I did the National Dog Show. I'm also here for HBO Real Sports, our end of the year show. Tomorrow I leave for a couple of days from Boston to work for PBS for an American Experience documentary I'm co-producing. And at the end of this week, I'm going to be appearing – it'll be it'll be on the day of the Super Bowl, Hallmark Channel's Kitten Bowl 3. I missed <laughs> You are a network harlot. I, I am a strumpet of the highest no. order. But no, even but by my, like, slutty standards, five no. networks in one month is either – you, it, it's either a new high or a new low, depending on how you see it. But yeah, I, I stay. I try to stay busy. The uh, we do this with no notes. We just freelance, which Excellent. is always the best way. There's no uh, in, Excellent. in the C block. We're going to talk about <laughs> whether Stan Wawrinka's forehand breaks down. Um, so how did you? Um, I, I'm always happy to praise you, but here's a piece of praise okay. that gets thrown out, which is. Mary Carrillo used to be a player? Yeah. Exactly. So how did, how did you... Uh... I didn't play long and I didn't play well. So how did you get into this media racket? It was quite a scam. I, I, um, well, I was writing, even, even when I was uh, playing, I would, I would write some stories for, um, you know, the WTA had a, like a newsletter that came out and then I started doing a couple of newspaper stories and uh, programs and stuff like that. I wrote a book with Martina Navratilova. Uh, a children's tennis book. So I was always writing. I come from a, a fairly right. 
literary-minded family. My brother's a novelist, among other things. And, and so um, the year I quit, I was at the – this is a ridiculous story, but I was at Madison Square Garden for the year, WTA year-end championships. And I was the last person around. They'd had special guests on, Virginia Wade, Billie Jean King, during the night in between matches. There was one match left. Were you, uh, as an on-air guest? I was, and I was in the crowd. I'd already, you know, blown the suds off a couple of beers. And I, mean, I, was, <laughs> and I wanted to watch this last match of the night. Most of the crowd was, you know, half the crowd was gone, I'd say. But Tracy Ross was playing Yvonne Gulagong, and I, I love that matchup. And so, you know, some desperate woman from the Virginia Slim said, well, Mary Carrillo's around, you know, she could probably. So I got interviewed in, before that match, and I explained why it was going to be great. And the two guys who were calling the matches, you know, one of them said, uh, why don't we keep her on? So I didn't even have, I had a microphone like the one in front of me right now, but no headset. And I just sort of, talk about just vamping. Riffed. And I just riffed. And luckily for me, and it was a great match. Tracy Austin won 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. And I was just going. Did you have like, fun? I had an unbelievable time. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time, but I didn't think anything of it, you know. And a couple of months later, a producer for USA Network happened to have heard me that night. And I just, it was 1980, Wimbledon. I had just lost in the first round to Pam Teagarden in 14 minutes. I was unemployed. I was thinking of going back to school. I was thinking of going back to teaching because I'd already done a lot of coaching by then. And um, this guy said, I heard you. You know, would you, we're doing, we're starting to show some women's tennis matches. Uh, would you would you want to try your hand? I, absolutely. Which is always my response to anybody who ever asks me, "Do you feel like who? Of course. Do you want to come into a do hubble? Do a podcast? <laughs> do you want to cover skiing? Do you want to cover? Figure? Do you want to? Have you ever thought of? Right. I do you speak Mandarin? Of course. <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> so from there, I got to do men's tennis, and then I got to do other stuff, and so that was thirty five years ago. There you go. I was lucky. Mentors, I don't know who who kind of. Uh, I mean, you know, I you're again. I'm, I'll embarrass you and say you have an outsized influence on teaching me the tricks and sort of. <laughs> I mean, who who took you by the hand and said, "Don't wear, you know, don't wear white after Labor Day." Um, no, I mean, in there, terms there's a of, lot of to this game, there's there's a lot of yes. sort of potholes you want to avoid stepping in. Well, in tennis, my biggest mentor was Billie Jean King. I was very lucky that we were both living in New York at the time, and she used to when I was still playing, you know. I'd practice with her, and I sat at her knee and watched her live her life on and off the court. And so she was, I think, my my well, most I mean, important media wise. Media-wise, I mean, I had a – there was a crazy guy named Mark Stolberger. He was, he was the guy who had heard me that night at the garden, you know, not knowing that I'd had a couple of brewskis and I was just kind of riffing or whatever. And he taught me more probably than in the first year. I didn't, I didn't know how to hold a microphone. I didn't know how to, you know – He'd be talking in my ear. I'd be answering him back on air. <laughs> he taught me an incredible amount about television and about doing your homework and how to ask a question and how, how not to answer it in the same question that you're asking. <laughs> and he did a lot for me. And then I've worked for so many different people and so many different sports. So, but I, I have to give him – I have to give Mark Solberger a lot of credit. And a lot of people don't know who he is. He's not even in the game anymore. But – and then I had – I mean there were people I've always loved listening to. I have always thought that Vin Scully was the very best at any sport and I maintain that opinion still to this day. I mean I, it's – I'm a great respecter of good storytellers. It's why I liked you before I even ever met you. Oh, you tell good stories. And that's, and that's something that 
you can work on and get better at. So what you do, you do matches, mm-hmm. you host, you do features, you do longer form mm-hmm. preference. I mean, and, and also, like, how, <clears throat> how malleable do you think the skill set is? I mean, how, how different is the drill of covering a live tennis match than doing a real sports piece? It's different. It's different. I mean, real sports is... We try to make it serious journalism. You know, it's it's a good show. It's a, you know, and I can do a piece. I had a piece on the other last month that was close to 20 minutes long. I mean, with no commercials. That's a nice, long, patient, textured piece. So when you get, when you have uh, an address like that where you can really lay down and, and, and do some nice work, that's, I love that kind of work. I like doing features. I've done, this will be my fifth straight Olympics where I'm doing not just player profiles, but athlete profiles, but historical features. It, I was on a I was on a former slave plantation last week in Salvador, um, not knowing until I got there that after Nigeria there are more blacks in Brazil than any other country in the world because they had more slaves Slave and for longer than any other country in the world. So, I mean, I like that kind of stuff too. I love working on documentaries. Long form storytelling is my favorite. There's no money in it for me yet. <laughs> I've done, I think this is my seventh or eighth, but I love that process. I mean, more than anything, I guess I, I like swinging from the trees. I like doing other things. Tennis is the only sport I'm at all fluent in, but I love, I love sports and I love the athletic heart and I will follow it anywhere. And you like the process of this too. I mean, you'll, you'll go down and shoot that feature for the Rio coverage on NBC but I, I assume you're going to see it several times in the production, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. going to look over someone's shoulder as they put it together. You don't just oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. go, go I mean, there, appear on camera, and first time you see it. No, I mean, we, t- we get to talk about it a lot, and we, you know, I mean, that, that's the best part about this whole process, as, as I know you're finding out, is how collaborative it is and how you can spitball ideas, and some of them stick to the wall and some of them don't. But, you know, there's, you, you're, it's, a, it's nice to be part of something where your voice is really heard. And you can, you know, make a lot of changes and adjustments. And you think you're going in with one story and a whole different story pops out instead. And that's always kind of great, too. And I've had stories that have fallen away. I thought, wow, this this is going to be good. And then you go there and you realize it's not really. Or you realize, I, I, you know, then you come to know that something is better in print than it is on television. So you, you, right, there's right. so many different things to to find out about what makes a good story. Great story. How do we support it? Right. There, is, do you have a do you have a white whale? I mean, is there one story that boy you wish you could tell? <clears throat> I, um, I'm I'm trying to offhand. I can't think of one that I that I'm dying to tell. There is a story I would love to do, and I'm just not sure. We, again, I think it's better written. Maybe you should write it instead of instead of me. But I, in terms of tennis, when Martina Navratilova went back to Prague to play. You know, as an American against, against. Oh right, right. She the, tells it, yeah, right. And right. that, and and unfortunately, there weren't that many people uh, who are around who. Bud Collins was at that thing, and he wrote about it beautifully. And he, I read a, an account of his many years ago that inspired me to think that that would be a terrific story to tell. Because, so here's Martina, and for many years they wouldn't even put her name in newspapers. They wouldn't show her matches on television. And now she's going back, and she wasn't sure how she'd be accepted, and. You know, and uh, there was a train that passed by the court where they were playing this this great this Fed Cup tie, 
And the train slowed down for about 10 minutes and people popped out of the windows to watch Martina play Hanuman Lakova or something. I mean, that to me sounds like a, I would love to get Chrissy and Pam and, you know, everybody at, and Hanuman Lakova and all the people who are involved in that. I just think that is, that's just one of the great stories. And again, I just don't know that there's visual support for it. Did anyone get that on their phone? <laughs> I think that's, that. that's great, wouldn't though. that be a I'm good story? Yeah, yeah. I would try to, I would, if there's a tennis story I could do right now, I would try to, and I've also, and I've talked to Martina about it, and she's all for it. But again, I just don't know how much, how much footage exists and right. how much, you know, but I think that would be, I think it's a wonderful story. I would love to listen to Martina tell it along with her friends. See, if you were in the, if you were writing, mm. you can cheat, you don't need the images, and you right. get Martina to give you a great interview, and you can kind of recreate the scene. Yes. Yes. Um, I say Andre and Steffi. Does anyone really crack that one? I, mean, I feel like we t- it's almost like the Williams sisters. We take it for granted. I mean, here are these two. Has anyone of cracked the, the Williams sisters? For that well, matter, that's a great question. I mean, I, honestly, they circle the wagon trains more than even Steffi did. I think. I mean, Groff was always very private, and of course, she's married to one of the most public personas <laughs> in the history of tennis. Right. You know. Um, so I think there are. Yeah. I. I what do you think? You want, you want to talk about the Williams sisters? Sure, I'll do, I'll t- I'll do whatever um, you want. I'm I, here. Uh, I do not disagree with you. It is not incumbent upon them to uh, lay themselves bare for public plumbing, but you do have a sense that there's a lot there that still hasn't been told. You think, think we ever get that? Um, I'd be surprised, t- to tell you the truth. Again, I – and by the way, I I happen to admire – Privacy. Absolutely. It really is. Right. And it's, it's in short supply, it seems, these days. And I always liked that Groff, you know, I, was, I covered Groff, I'm, you know, right from the, the start of her career. And when things were happening and her father was in all kinds of problems, personal problems and, you know, getting sued for back taxes or whatever, the, you know, he had so many. I liked that Steffi put up his firewall and you just, she let it. She let you know right that there was no chance she was gonna she was gonna let you climb over that thing. No chance. And I like that she again, she circled the wagon trains, just as the Williams sisters do. A lot of stuff has happened in that family and they keep it inside. The only and and, and you know, we both listen to Serena say things and you you listen to her and you, you at the open when she lost to Vinci, she said she didn't she didn't feel the pressure. Of course she felt the pressure. Right, you know, right, or, you know right. do not believe what your eyes are telling. I think the only one in that family that I would really like to hear from, that I would trust, is Oracine. Because I don't, I've, I think that, you know, Serena will spin something and her, God knows her father has done that, you know, on and off for many years. And Venus is very reticent by nature, I, I believe, in those ways. Oracine, I think, is the real if, – if I could get one member of the Williams family you know, to have dinner with, like a real, a real long dinner, I'd want to speak to Oracine more than anybody else because I don't think she feels like – she doesn't say, she doesn't right. say much. No, she's honest but when she right. says stuff, it's the truth. Right. I always sense that when she tells you something, when she says something, she, she wants to tell the truth. And I really, I really admire that about her. Hold that thought, Mary. We're going to pay some bills real quick, whether it's the NFL, college football, college basketball, or the NBA. Sports fans have an exciting few months ahead. 
Next time you head to the stadium or your favorite concert venue, try the SeatGeek app. It's easy. Find the best deals on tickets. And when you use our code BEYOND, you get a check back for 20 bucks. Here's how it works. It's quite simple. Download the SeatGeek app on your iPhone or Android. It's free. takes less than a minute. Then search for your event. Find a great deal. Enter the code BEYOND. And when you complete the purchase, SeatGeek will send you $20 right to your home. It's that easy. SeatGeek pulls in options from hundreds of sellers online. They show you the best deal automatically. We often liken it here to Ticket's version of Kayak. You're seeing virtually every available option. Pick the best deal. The mobile app makes it easy. Again, download the app today. Enter the code BEYOND. SeatGeek will then send you 20 bucks once you've made your first purchase. Go to the game, go to the arena, go to the stadium, go to the tennis venue, get the best deals on sports and concert tickets, use the SeatGeek app and our code BEYOND, and save 20 bucks. So here, here comes a backwards transition. Watch, right. watch this. All right. Ronda Rousey. Okay. We, we, we talk <laughs> okay. about, uh, you talk about the complete opposite. I mean, just abs- an Uzi of candor. <laughs> um, so you, you you've met her, her, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, and and, and it was is she wide things. open? It was like we all want candor. We all want athletes to be open. This got to the point where I was sort of like too much information. I don't want candor. You, uh, <laughs> it, it got uncomfortable in how. But, but anyway, in, in what um, way? In what? How are you? Wh- this was there were some, I would say, graphic discussions. <laughs> there were some. Uh, I mean, sort of one almost sort of jarringly candid to the point of like that you weren't probing. We for. need to put exactly. <laughs> Um, but, You're not going to get but, that uh, from from me. So, so Ronda Rousey is wildly public figure. Right. Fought the other night and lost. She has a to that Aussie ability. No, it was in Australia. It was in Melbourne, which right? Is, which is hilarious in its own right for those of us who go to Melbourne. But she's from New Mexico. Oh, she's, she's from New Mexico. The woman who beat her. I didn't know that. So, what the hell were they doing in Australia? They're trying to spread the gospel of, oh, of cage okay. fighting. Okay. Um, so, so Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Yeah. Is this wildly public figure. Yes. And loses. And loses badly. I mean, she just got her ass kicked. And I think now, it was her jaw, but go ahead. Well, she got, yeah, well, that too. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so so now this whole narrative has switched to, will she ever be the same? Right. Greatest upset of all time. And I think part of what fueled this is how open she was. Right. And fueling her own mystique. But I wonder, I, I keep thinking about Serena Williams and... You have this, this celebrity who has this aura that's predicated on invincibility, mm. and she loses this fight, and the whole Ronda R- R- Rousey narrative is flipped. Um, this is a long way of sending you up for a Serena question, okay. which is, where do you think she is right now? I mean, I, I think it's a strange thing where she had this wonderful year, and yet we still have this lingering sense that she lost the last match we saw her play. Yeah. It was not a proud performance. In the, Like you say, she's clearly nervous. Yes. Where where is she right now? Do you think if if somebody asked Serena right now, did you lose because of your nerves? Do you think two months on she would tell the truth? She would I say, think, yeah, it, of course. Is it, it uh, is it you or me with a microphone, or is it someone in her? No, her, I, I think I think of her. Her yeah. mom said right after the match that it got. Oh, to her. Patrick the pressure got said to she her. could barely move. No, no I mean, that's I what I'm think, saying. But do you, totally is Serena two months on? Would Serena no, saying, say? Is she saying it to the public? Yeah, to or the is press. She saying it would to she, her friend? Would, oh, I think. Will she just stand by that? Um, because that's, I think that is part of it all. I mean, one of the remarkable things about watching John McEnroe play his career was how 
openly and willingly he was he would admit in the middle of a match that he was choking. Remember, he'd grab at his neck right, and right. so and and that was such a release for him because at the same time, by the time he had let go of his neck, he was like past it. He said, "Yeah, of course I choked, and now I'm going to try not to choke. Now I'm going to go." And then invariably he would serve in Bali and win the next point. I mean, I think that's important. I think to you know you have to. It's why I like telling long-form long stories. It's why, to me, the documentaries that I enjoy, they always have – it's always – they involve the R words. You know, it's, it's regret, reticence, resilience, recovery, renewal. I mean, those kind of things right. are, to me, what, what makes – uh, especially yeah, – no, no straight-line trajectories. Exactly, sports. exactly. So where do I think Serena is? I, I honestly hope that she's reconciled Look, it was a rough year for her all around. She played, you know, some very sticky-looking tennis all throughout the French Open and won it anyway. Right. You know, at Wimbledon, she looked better. At the Open, she looked good for a couple of rounds. I thought she looked good against her sister and against Madison. And then she, it got to her. And I think the best thing you can do is release yourself of that, you know, just, just oh, let it go. So if she has let it go by now, which I'm assuming she has, I mean— I'm assuming she has. I think she'll be. I, I still think she can win a couple of majors. Oh, you say she's winning year. multiple majors. Oh, I. In I 2016. I, if not her, who? Well, that's that's the other. I mean, that's the other part. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I think Sh- Sharapova can still win majors, and I think move to the goo. Garbina like Muguruza. I'm, I'm, I love. I'm still. Uh, you're still. still you're waiting. not sure about Muguruza. You're not sure about her as a player points. or as a person. Both. I mean, I thought that that. Okay. Post Wimbledon stretch was very mm, where she busted up to the I coach. Think I think there's a lot of game there, but you never know. I mean, we said the- I think she can win majors. I, I, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of hers. I just and I I I like how hungry she is for it. What about uh, jo- joining this other discussion point? What else? Which rockets around social media? Which is why does Novak Djokovic not get as much respect as his? Beats merit. I think he deserves it. I I think he is a remarkable fellow. I mean, to come up at a time when he when he has he's two of the all time greats, and he had to navigate his way past both of them and figure out how to how to defeat two very different and remarkable skill sets, and then come out on top of that. I he's also very very bright. He he's very. He spends every single part of his day, it seems. Every part of his day is designed to make him a better tennis player. I mean, he doesn't take anything for granted. He doesn't take any shortcuts. He, and now he's a father as well, and he seems besotted with that idea. Right. I mean, this is a thoroughgoing professional. And I don't know how – I think the, the defiance that he plays with – Grates on some people. I was gonna say. So what's what's our? Uh, is it a? Stay? But I mean, all right. Well, let is me ask it, you this. Um, let I, me. I, I, I have a two pet theories, but but you go first. I mean, I think he's and and you know, people I think have a uh, a certain idea about what Serbs are like, right? That whole Eastern European thing. Well, what, are, what about even even an ignorance? Never, never. Oh, absolutely. About <laughs> judgment, like, oh, it's a guy from Switzerland. I can ride. It's hiding right. in the Alps and chocolate and watches and Nadal's fishing. And I love Spain. We went to Barcelona for Christmas. And you say Serbia, and it's not even value judgments and right. history of the Balkans. It's just but can't I, relate. I, I think that's I think that's kind of true. And I think I think um, my guess is that one of the reasons he picked Boris Becker to help him is because Boris 
seemed to think that on his strapping young shoulders at 17 when he won Wimbledon, he had to sort of change everybody's mind about what Germany is like, you know? I mean, Boris, remember, he, you know, he hated the That's nickname Boom Boom Becker and all that kind of stuff. And, and he, he sort of... I don't know. I, I, he brought it up more than I think Wait, people... that's really interesting. I never... You mean oh, Germany oh, wait, why, in the late I, 80s in transition? Act, you're and, acting like it... Jamie... I have never heard He's anything. acting like it's a big surprise. Jamie's producing this podcast. <laughs> you're acting like it's a surprise? I said something interesting? No, so, that everybody said, a, why the hell Becker? Is yeah, that made sense to me. personality match, and one's a grass court specialist. Yeah, and, I got that one. That's, I like, um, I like that's that one. Real, in, no, but you think about where Germany was in the late 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind yeah. of the same. That's... It's deep. I'm deep. That's a fantastic point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, no, to, but I, okay, so here's it. Let's, let's talk about if you could have dinner with somebody, would you rather have dinner with Rafa Nadal or Novak Djokovic? I'd take no, Novak every day of that week. What's I just would. I, because he is, again, he's so bright. He speaks English better than any other player on the tour, even Americans and say, Brits. Includes, uh, right. When he won a, t- a tournament in China, he gave part of his speech in Chinese. I mean, this is a guy who... He couldn't try harder. I think part of it is that maybe people think he tries too hard to win over fans. And, and again, I don't even mind that because I think, I think what he has done is, is largely remarkable. I think, I think it's interesting, too, that you know, he's tweeting out articles from The Economist. Oh, yeah. And, and cl- clearly, you know, he comes here. You know, he did the, the weekend before the U.S. Open. He went to the U.N. for some black tie dinner. Mm. That's not what – <laughs> Tennis players tend to do. No, he's and global. This, this has had no impact. I mean, sometimes we have this. The, the athletes say, "Oh, I'm you know I can't just be a machine, and I have outside interests." And he has outside interests that seem to have no impact exactly. on his tennis whatsoever. I know it, and, and I'm again. I I'm, I'm a great respecter of that. I'm a great admirer of everything he wants to be, and the kind of the kind of image he wants to portray for his country. I just think there's a lot to that guy. And I don't mind watching that guy win at all. Well, I was going to say, what, what, well, that, that was my next question, which is, what about when the ball's in play? I mean, obviously, I'm, I, I, I'm always going to love watching Roger Federer right. play because he makes a, what I know to be a very hard sport look impossibly easy. And there's something beautiful. I like watching people make hard things look easy, whether it's a musician or an artist or an actor. or you know, That, to me, is just such a sign of excellence. Here at the SI Podcast Network, we have four shows that cover the NFL, including the SI Fantasy Football Podcast, hosted by Michael Beller. It's expressly dedicated to helping you win your league. If you're not playing fantasy football, you are likely in the minority, but that can change. This is your chance to get in on the action now when you use my code BEYOND, B-E-Y-O-N-D, at FanDuel.com. Play a risk-free tournament for up to 10 bucks. FanDuel is the best place to play one week fantasy football. Building a team is easy. It's fun. It's short. No worries that Tony Romo is your quarterback and suddenly your season is tanked. Entry fees start as low as just a dollar. There's a league for everyone. NBA, NHL, they're here as well. Tennis is sure to follow. FanDuel is not just a huge tournament. Again, set up a private league. Play against your friends anytime, anywhere. Keep up with your buddies who don't live close by. Win some money in the process. To get started, go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, use the code BEYOND, and sign up now. Again, here's the deal. The contest is anyone you want. It's up to 10 bucks. Sign on, use BEYOND, FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today.
So our media critic here, fellow podcaster, Richard Deitch. You mm-hmm. know Richard. Of course. Um, he, uh, and, I, and I think very, very correctly, quickly, highlights the conflicts of interest that plague our sport. Mm-hmm. Our sport. Um, <laughs> the sport. Um, and I look, and I think- a conflict, that the cornerstone of our sport is conflicts of interest. It was founded I mean, it was, time. Our founding is, fathers <laughs> brought forth. Um, it's, it's the bedrock how on you, which uh, this game was created. Why, just, just because uh, <laughs> just management agencies. I mean, everyone has, their fa- everyone has their favorite one. My favorite is the management agencies that represent players, but also tournaments and are lobbying to keep purses down to you basically got, depress the wages <laughs> of the players they represent. You got a problem with that? Um, you got a problem with How do you st- – I. As an honest broker, how, how do you – I feel like they're different degrees, and yes. in a small sport, everyone's going to have a couple of awkward moments. Yes. How do you steer clear of this? I, I just do. I mean, I – You do, too. I, I do, I, and, and I, I, it's important for me, but I, uh, not to have any conflicts. I mean, I want to be able to say what I think and, and mean what I say, and – and that gets me in trouble sometimes, and I'll go into the penalty box, and I'll serve my time, what and is, I'll come out again. What does that mean? Again. Is that, is that- Tour related is that? Yeah, you're I not mean, going to get the the easy sweet oh, know, yeah. dinner check by going into the luxury suites. And well, no, it, for me, I mean, if I will say something, and before it's past my teeth and into the ozone, I know that the, an agent's going to be furious, or a mother, or the WTA, or the ATP, or the ITF, or the you know, I mean, there every everybody is you know. Uh, I, I tend to say what I think, and, and I'd like to think that it's fa- pretty well-founded. Um, and I'm willing to – I don't want to have to be conflicted about it. I want to – my attitude is if someone – I am not – I was never a famous tennis player. I don't have a huge, you know, name in those ways. So if someone's going to pay me to to call matches for them, I, I'm assuming it's because they value at some at, at some level what I think. So I'm going to tell them what I think, you know, and, and you know, and, but let me just say, we both, you know, we, we both work for Tennis Channel. I've worked for a lot of different people over the years, and I work with plenty of people who have conflicts of interest, who have, you know, they're either coaching or they're doing something. And again, I personally wouldn't put myself in that position because I probably would roll around at night in bed and, and have a little trouble sleeping, but I have gotten more information from those people you know and oh yeah i i mean i i I uh, glean so much from them i ask them things and a lot of times they'll say all right well you can't use it on air and i will say to them i don't want to use it i just need to know it i don't want to say all right i just don't want to step in on the landmine i don't want to say the wrong i don't want to this press release makes no sense to me tell me what this really is and 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 uh, you know from all different uh, all different networks people have been so generous to me not just Lindsay and and Paul Anacone. I mean, it's Chris Everett has been a great help. She's had so many people come through her academy. Darren Cahill is very generous with his with his thoughts. And these, you know, they they know. And and again, there are times when they'll say you can't say this, but I'll you know, and I'll say, tell me what you can, tell me what you will, and tell me what I can't say, and tell me what I can't say. And so I'm again, I use those. People, you know, and I, I consort with them, and I trust them, and I make use of the fact that that they <laughs> that they have so many different uh, ways to, you know, 
to you're saying it's, to it's turn always been thus. I mean, this well, pretty much. Trip. And again, I don't. I'm not saying that. I, and and the funny thing is, you know, we both work with Justin Gimelsov on Tennis Channel, and Justin knows more about the machinations of the ATP and all the politics of this sport than anybody I know. Uh, anyway, right. and I'll ask him. I'll ask him something very inside, and he'll say. Sometimes he'll tell me. Sometimes he'll say, "Mayor, you don't, you do not want to know how that sausage is made." <laughs> and, so, and then sometimes I'll say to him, "Actually, I do." I want, and then he'll tell me, I say, ooh, you're right. I really didn't want to know how yeah. that... But, I mean, that is... <laughs> the walking tour of the sausage factory. Yeah. <laughs> there are some sausages you really don't want to go near. But, yes, I mean, uh, it exists. And you, I think everybody... And we've had this conversation before, John. Like, I tend to judge people and judge myself by what they say no to. You know, how far will you bend? What What is okay and what isn't okay? And And... You know, we all have our different – we all land in different places on that. And and my feeling is – and I've left – you know, I left a network because I – there are too many conflicts for me to deal with. You know, not just among the announcers, which is one thing, but just the the network itself. And so, I mean, in the end, you you pick the hill you die on, but you also pick the hill you live on. And it depends on, on what you can take and, and what kind of people you want to work with and, and – and how much you want to work, and what you want to, what you want to do with your days. That stuff's important. So, wh- what is it about this sport? I mean, I, I feel like ev- every uh, I've never seen a in, never mind a sport. Wait, I've you never cover seen a lot enterprise. of sports. There's nothing like tennis. I have. There's nothing like tennis. But I'm, but I'm also. I mean, you love it. I love it. I mean, the truth is, we're lucky enough so that if tennis disappeared tomorrow, we would find other things to do. I mean, we're here by choice. This isn't right. You know, the only. But I, I feel like. I've never seen an enterprise, never mind a sport, that beats itself up so regularly. Everyone's got an idea of how to improve it, and this sucks, and that sucks. Let's let's zig where everyone else zags. Why? Why is it like that? No, no, the opposite. (laughs) No, why? What's appealing about this sport? Why is it? You've got a dozen networks you could work for. What is it about tennis and tennis channel and covering the sport and commentating that still that is still like yeah. well, I, I what have are to, the virtues and not the vices? I hearken back to an, uh, an article I read about Arthur Ashe, and this was back in the, like the, the 70s. So the tours, tours were erupting and exploding and things were going on and the Handsome Eight were around and the WCA had just formed and this and that. And Arthur Ashe was asked you know, what he thought of it all, and he said, tennis is a healthy mess. And I just – I love that he <laughs> knocked those two words together because at times I feel like – you know, tennis is an unhealthy mess too. But I like—I I think it's a beautiful game. I, I mean, I just—just just, uh, I happen to like racket sports. I think it's a beautiful tool, and I love that you can play it any way you want to play it. Right. You know, you can you can stand back, or you can come in, or you can. And there's no other sport that's played on so many different surfaces, and that changes a lot. I mean, most sports are either played on grass or on you know, wood or whatever. And, and tennis is played on hard courts and clay courts and grass courts and indoors. And I mean, so that changes the way, you know, you have to play your, your, your style and of, of attack or defense. And I just, I love, I, I think it's a beautiful game. You know, the sport can kind of drive me nuts, but the game itself of tennis. Did you, did you feel like a deep, beautiful. dark? Uh... I think it's beautiful. 
You, you know what Arthur once said about Jimmy Connors? Which one? <laughs> he's, he's an asshole, but he's our asshole. I feel like a healthy mess is sort of the collective version Isn't of that. Isn't that right? But I, I always feel like the dirty secret, I mean, you say it drives you nuts, yeah. and it does. And you say this is a sport that can't get out of its way, yes. and some of these decisions you bang ahead. But I also feel like journalistically, from a storytelling, yeah. from an arc, from Rees, yes. God, I'd rather do this than cover the NFL. I, I think so. And and, and honestly, I, I'm the – I'm the first, and I I don't like football, and I and I, I it scares me. I mean, the concussion st- stuff is devastating. I think to to somebody like me, but there is no I don't know. There's a better sport on television than football. I mean, all of the camera angles and all the strategy and all the it's no, war it's games. For, I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, yeah. it's made for television. Right. But I think tennis too has got a lot going for it because it's just two people out there and. There's no helmets. There's nothing to block the expressions on the faces of people. I, you know, when HD came along, not only did I love how clearly you got to see the ball and how you can see the skid marks on clay courts, but you got to see the faces. You got to see sweat drip off of somebody's chin. And so I think tennis is a, it's a very televisable sport. And, and if, you, if it's done the right way, you can tell stories in between points and in between. I, it used to drive me, we were talking about Steffi Groff before, the hardest person to call to tell a story about was Steffi Groff because she played so fast. <laughs> so, right? like, yeah, exactly. I would beg my producer sometimes, right. just instead of showing a replay, I really got to tell this story about, you know, one of her German shepherds. Yep. So don't give me a re- – like, or don't give me two over. replays. Or give me give – me t- because she played so quickly. And so there – and there are things that drive me crazy that don't drive other people crazy about tennis. Um, it doesn't drive like me crazy. Like let courts, I don't – Oh, well, Let know. courts, like, really? You really think that takes a lot of, we really need to speed up the, the sport by playing let courts? And that means, like, people all over, old people all over the country are going to have to start playing let courts. And in doubles, you can, it'll bounce off a net and you can kill somebody with right. it. <laughs> I mean, to my mind, if you're really trying to speed up the game, you know, enforce the time between points rule. Enforce right. the the challenge mosey every time somebody you know they wander up before they challenge like there are plenty ways to speed up the toweling the toweling is ridiculous the picking at your shorts takes (laughs) way like so you know all these phony injury timeouts and call the trainer and so we all have different things that drive us nuts you know grunting to my mind it was supposed to be dealt with in 2012 how'd that go i mean so we all have things and and my like an idiot, I tend to think of myself as – I'm supposed to be a guardian of this sport. I adore it. I adore it, you know, and I'm trying – I maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I have to protect it, the good of it. And, the, and so when people say, you're so critical of it, and they're like, no, I'm doing it because I think it's important. And I don't want to be agnostic about something that I think is, is detrimental to the sport. So – Again, I, I happen to like that tennis is so unique a sport. It's so different from other sports. And, and I think it should be – I think the this, this stuff that makes it special it should be preserved. I'm not one of those people who says, oh, like, we got to make it – all these new – it's – you know, changes are only good if the changes are good. Right, right. <laughs> Just to change it because basketball did it. Like, I don't care if basketball did it. That's great. But this is tennis. This is a different sport and – Different people play it and different people watch it. And I think you just got to take care with that stuff. What, what about uh, you say to what end? I say, well, it could get bigger. Someone had an interesting point. They said, you know what? What if 
it is what it is, and it's a nice niche sport, and right. it's not going to be the NFL, and we're not going to double our ratings. Oh, it's not going to be the I mean, NFL is the biggest sport in this country because people gamble on it. I mean, that's it, right? right. Is there any other – I mean, it's obvious – again, and I, I'm the first to admit that it looks – it's an amazing sport to watch on TV. Yeah, but but the reason it's big product, it's, But it also, all these sort of, you check the boxes, and there's, there's violence, <laughs> and there's scarcity of product, and, the, right. and I think whether the NFL talks about it or not, I mean, you're right. These, this, this gambling is not just another level of engagement for fans, but also means people are watching these blowouts. Exactly. The game, may not, the, spread. the game may be in doubt, but the spread or my fantasy football team. Exactly. Um, I and feel it, like t- tennis has not done a particularly good job of taking advantage of some of these audience trends like what it's i mean you know the ufc is popular because they built a reality show around it the nfl is right the nfl doesn't just like this the nfl is an investor in daily fantasy and you sort of tennis is very much on the sidelines with right social media and with and and everyone's trying to they they all want to lower their demographics you know I, i you know i think the average olympic viewer who watches it on tv is like between 55 and 70. Like, so if, all of a sudden you want, all right, let's bring in younger sports. Let's, right, right. let's have, all, let's have snowboarding and let's have, you know, Half so, pipe. and, and, you know, when you look at that, I, I mean, I've looked at those things and I'm not sure what to do with any of it. Um, but this demographic data. Yeah. The demographic, yeah, like right. this is what, this is who watches basketball. This is who watches football. This is who, I mean, very, let's face it. Very few sports that are watched are also played. I mean, a lot of people who watch tennis actually play it. <laughs> so, right, right, right. So, well, I mean, it, I think know, that's something we got uh, going for well, us. Well, tennis also is much better as far as a gender divide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right. So, I mean, there are – A lot of virtues here to this. I happen – I'm still a great believer in it. And I will, I will always try very hard to express that in, in no matter what I'm – I mean, it – I, I I like there are things about tennis that I think shouldn't go away, and there, there are plenty of things that should. But yeah, I'm, I like this sport. I think it's a very pretty sport. Hmm. That's a good place to end, I would say. All right. As a storyteller, what do you think? We were mm-hmm. all over the place. We, we kind of sprayed Ronda the room. Rousey. We talked about uh, <laughs> Prague in the seventies, and uh, Boris, that tends Boris, to happen Boris when Boris we start Becker. talking. That's great. That's the beauty of the podcast, though. I liked it. So this is my first podcast. You did great. I, are you going to ever have me back? Or Absolutely. Was this We're going to have a new office. We're going to have a new podcast studio. Wow, even Sports bigger than, better than this? Maybe we'll do, do another one in Australia. Uh, we can go mobile. Okay. You'll be in Australia? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I haven't been asked yet. I'll ask you. All right. All right. That was our guest today. Terrific guest, as you would have predicted, Mary Carrillo. We thank her for coming by live and in person. We're going to go get some lunch. In the meantime, thanks again to everyone for listening. Keep the suggestions coming. One of you mentioned it was time we got Mary Carrillo on the show, and we tried to comply with that. So feel free to keep your suggestions coming. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again next week.